recording. I consent. You consent. Everyone consents. Dear people of Earth, welcome to the Artbuyer, a podcast project by Gold Extra, your favorite multidisciplinary art collective from the west of Austria, where no one else cares. Hello, everyone. This is our second special podcast from the Artbuyer series, where we talk about briefs. Briefs, a compilation of games about the absurd, as the German would say. Uh, Evgeny, you are a strange creature because you have two hats in this project. One hat is, actually you have three hats. One hat is the curator, the other hat is the organizer, and the third hat is the artist. And today I think I'm going to not talk to the organizer because it's a bit boring, um, but I'm going to talk to the curator and I'm also going to talk to the artist hat. So please put the appropriate face on. There has to be a little bit of the insert here, because in the previous episode, you referred to me as Zhenya, and now you're referring to me as Yevgeny, and both of them are my names, just the Russian thing, where Yevgeny is my full name, Zhenya is my short name. It's kind of John to Jonathan, and just so that people don't get that much confused. And uh, sorry, pronunciations are already out of the window with my name. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm called Georg, people call me Georgi, Jorge, George, Shoshlo. Who cares? You can't say parallelepipedon, yeah? And I can say parallelepipedon. Uh, we have a step. Hey, oh, ah, shit, I did it. I didn't want to do it for comic reasons. And now, see, I can <laughs> uh, So, um, Evgeny, you are one of the organizers, one of the initiators of this. So before we talk about your particular project, tell us a little bit about, was there a, a particular event or a moment in your life when you said, that's it? I'm going to go absurd. There were several events that were coming through it, kind of like compounding this stuff. So the first one is like, I'm, I really don't like games industry. I really don't like, I'm, uh, like, I'm actively avoiding people who work in the industry, meeting them in person because in online, I can always claim that my Georgian internet or my Russian internet previously is just shit and I can just leave. Uh, and partly because like any conversation about video games, especially from the narrative design perspective, usually brings me a lot of, uh, frustration, depression, angst and everything. And so, like, initially the event was that I tried to get into a games development and research program from CGL, Cologne, Cologne, Game, uh, Cologne Game Lab from Kern. And I got into there just basically to, like, you know, revitalize my interest because, like, I'm working in video games. I've been working in them for, at that point, for 10 years. Like, there got to be a way to, like, get it more interesting and, like, return the, you know, the fire, the, the, the passion and shit. The passion um, for games. Yeah, and uh, CGL in this in these terms was a mixed bag. Uh, like they were trying the program specifically, they were trying to do a lot and uh, like a lot of on disparate subjects. So like trying to like, like the whole program is game development and research. So it's half academia, half creative direction. But there is also pitching to Ubisoft people. It's also like doing serious games. It's also doing tabletop games and shit. 
But uh, so, like for example, pitch and stuff. Oh my god, I hated this class. Like this to me brought everything I hate about games industry just jammed into two months. Not because pitching is bad, but it's like specifically pitching to like pitching a commercial project where you mention something a little bit off the mainstream, and that's it. Like I, I get mad and angry immediately. And uh, out of all the projects that we did in university, like that project was the most divisive among the people, as in, like, there was even conflict with my good friend Lucas, with whom we usually on the same page about, like, conceptually, not development-wise. But, uh, and even at that point, we were like, there were doubts, there was everything. But there was a project, uh, the program from Christian Majewski, uh, specifically. Uh, he is no longer doing uh, it at CGL. I think there is another person doing it. Uh, like, Christian went to China, I think. And uh, the project was uh, to adapt the program specifically, was to adapt uh, a piece of uh, art into a video game. That piece of art was uh, Howl by Allen Ginsberg, the poem. Mm -hmm. And uh, while uh, this adaptation, I was really frustrated with uh, Kern, with Germany, uh, ruining all of my stereotypes about Germany and also being German at the same time. Uh, I was frustrated at the industry. I was genuinely lost and everything. And also I was watching the third season of Twin Peaks at the same time. So kind of uh, like it's uh, Howl by Allen Ginsberg kind of turned into like to me more like an expression of passion and expression of frustration being like, uh, at least like that was my reading of Howl, like basically just a free form expression of uh, like rage. And so I did uh, 30 Howl which is a game on itch, which was basically an insane shader fest uh, with a sex scene made from weird sounds. And a line, Kyle Loren was right. Everything was absolutely all over the place. Nothing made sense. And uh, like there was no purpose to make sense other than to maybe make people laugh or just to kind of overload the senses uh, so that there is a new reaction uh, being proven. Uh, but... Uh, the good thing about CGL, and specifically Christian in this sense, is that it uh, how do I, how do I put it? It enabled, uh, it like they, it supported this endeavor. And so when I was picking up uh, the thesis, I I clinged onto the topic absurd, knowing almost nothing about absurd specifically. I think like the closest to that was uh, Boris Vian's uh, Prof of Days was mm -hmm. the closest to Absurd that I have read. Uh, and there was some fascination with Waiting for Godot and stuff like that. And also like uh, 12 O's Mouse and all the cartoons that made zero sense. Also growing up on Soviet cartoons, they don't make much sense at all. Uh, uh, I mean, thematically they do. They don't do in other senses. So it was like mixing surreal and abstract with specifically Absurd. But during the work on the thesis, uh, which is called Absurd Games, which is available on my each, for which you still owe me a horse. Uh, True and, that. Uh, <laughs> five people bought it, so you owe me five horses. Yeah, uh, and uh, and that thesis basically was kind of solidified the, the like the route forward of both because uh, like from narrative design perspective, at least for me, like game design is probably the biggest enemy. Like they're trying to reduce narrative uh, because they like people have to play the game. Otherwise, I, I mean, it's a game, right? There has to be a gameplay. While for like it has to be fun, and for a narrative designer perspective, it's like why? No, let's do something else. Yeah, and I think the the 
like people forget that there is a history and there's a discourse on that. You know, in the early 2000s, there was a huge debate going on between uh, like a, a narrative group and I would say like a game design based group. Um, and this whole this whole narratology uh, versus ludology thing that was on the academic level, and I think in um, yeah, and, and I think as you already mentioned, you know, like in in the commercial uh, games industry, the issue is people are like, well, first of all, it's it's natural, you know, it's like people people have to make money with that stuff, so yeah. they go the safe way. But of course, we we noted from the films industry, you know, in the one decade, you know, when everyone was taking LSD and if a studio would sign a particular ride that was more based on the consumption of certain drugs and like the Jing being thrown than on, you know, like someone going over Excel, you know, crazy films were made, you know, THX 1138 and uh, a man and his dog would have not happened in the 90s or in the decades to come, maybe still in the 90s, you know. But in the nineties, a lot of shit happened. In two thousand, a lot true. of shit happened. Yep. Even right now, some of the shit is still happening. Yeah. But there's like there's actually an interesting parallel here because like my frustration is not with uh, uh, my frustration is mostly that like uh, writing and narrative design, you get to uh, there is a ceiling towards like what you can do. Like uh, eventually, you just hit the stuff where it's like okay, I like I understand what to do. There is a peak in there, a peak in there, and there are no challenges left. Uh, yeah. At least an indie scene or something like that, because like it's uh, kind of game design is yeah. Th this whole episode will be very belligerent towards game designers, and by all accounts, just go at me. I don't care <laughs> anymore. Um, that's because uh, like they we have like uh, in my my. Hypothesis is that uh, we really know how to do fun games because we have been doing fun games for a while. Like there is just uh, the wealth of knowledge around how to make them is incredible. To make a shooter game, you just take Unity plugin and you drop it in. How to make a fun dialogue? Nobody fucking knows. Still doesn't know. Like uh, video game dialogue is like is. The best video game dialogue is just mediocre in the movie scene, mm. and uh, that's just how it is. And there are no experiment like there are experiments, but they're very rare, and also they don't continue. Weirdly, video game like game design for fun, like they do continue. Yeah. And uh, during the work on the thesis, uh, it brought me to uh, oh, of course, when we are going to record, and I forget the names of the people. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Dr. Bennett, Michael Y. Bennett, I think. I may be mixing it with a coach on Nike Plus Run Club, but it's Bennett something. <laughs> uh, so while he was talking about absurd, absurd theater of absurd, like Beckett, Ionesco, and uh, and so on, he was mentioning uh, one of the f uh, frameworks for how to what like delineates the theater of absurd is uh, mixing like tragic comedy. Because tragic comedy right now is like we want to have fun. We want to, like in movies, like they are both fun and tragic. Like there is a mixing of those genres. Before theater of tragedy, nobody was doing that shit. Yep. It was either fun or it was tragic. Very rarely it would mix. And after the theater of so they did it. And waiting for Godot, famously, there was almost a riot during the premiere because people wouldn't necessarily get it. And so like for the absurd games, I think there is this, like a, like it, it appeals to me in generally, but also it's a way for to rediscover stuff. Like, uh, hopefully this will come out after Yavayuchi. 
but when we were talking about applying moon logic, and this isn't the, something that I had a chance to talk back then, but moon, like early uh, LucasArts games, moon logic rampant uh, everywhere, and this was like because just it was moon logic, just so that there was a fun joke in the end. I mean, there are egregious like levels where the joke isn't funny and everything else, but this is a lost artifact because the people just don't do moon logic. It's hard to explain. It's hard to lead to it. And this now is there is. And, and this he, is a way to resurface it. Here can I finally uh, answer my obscene and dirty AAA fascination that I'm currently uh, fostering. I actually would say that Elden Ring is one massive moon logic turd sandwich in many, many occasions. Sometimes, I think on purpose, sometimes it's just because I even think bad craft creates moon logic in that sense. Because a bit careless, but it, it does have this weird Japanese magic realism, you know, where everything is like disconnected and, and floaty and suddenly there's a guy making prawns in the middle of a war zone and another guy wants to kind of defile corpses and he gets the same ending as the god, although it's just like some 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 strange doom person and that nothing makes sense and everything is too gigantic. And from software way, like yeah. exploration and figuring out what's what is one of the mechanics of the game. At least yeah. to me, like Dark Souls 1, like you're trying to figure out what the hell has happened and you cannot get an answer. I haven't yeah. played Elden Ring, I would say. And yeah. Sekiro, my favorite one, is way more direct. Yeah. But other than that, it's uh, like it's one of the mechanics. No, no, Elden Ring is uh, very moon logic. I'm going to make it a, like a strange adjective. Right. Uh, they even world. have the moon sword. Yes, they have a moon sword. Oh, they In every go. single game. The moon sword. This is, this is the other thing. You know, it's, it's a consistent world that is suddenly having a lot of inconsistencies because they have strange things connected to franchise as well. Okay, but we are really uh, digressing. This is one of our superpowers, dear listeners. Um, so, uh, coming back to the, to the subject, uh, absurdness, you join briefs, but before you join briefs, um, we, and this is a little bit, we, we actually did a pilot. You made a pilot for the brief series, mm -hmm. and um, this became uh, essentially, well, well, let's call it a scout operation uh, for the rest of the project. And this project is called Drumroll Backdate. Or as uh, some uh, people in the audience uh, like uh, called it, a, a waffle cone filled with fried chicken. Uh, that was the feedback <laughs> by uh, Salavia Nelson. Uh, the worst RPG dev called the game extremely good. And someone else called it a fantastic opportunity if you want to go on a bad date with a disemboweled duck. Okay. Correct. That's well, that's that's quote is completely unrelated. I just needed a fourth quote, and so I picked one of the Zalavier tweets, and that's that. With his uh, approval, of course. Very good. Very good. I think the fried chicken one. I think it's uh, it, it kind of kind kind of fits. The duck is hopefully not insulted. Uh, by the fried chicken, you know, another bird fried in a waffle, isn't that weird? But then this is a very despicable duck, isn't it? Um, that's uh, so. Like, I don't uh, like. I I suggest we go full on into spoilers for this episode. Yes, <laughs> spoilers. Of, like, the game has been spoilers. Uh, the game has been out for a year at this point. So like. 
the game well more than a year i don't know everything before 21st of february is weird so uh the duck to me is not an asshole the duck to me is just doing the job she is an assassin and she did a lot of killing and everything but i want like to me it's uh like i wanted to make the main character worse than a literal time traveling multiverse spanning assassin uh that is uh, paul litra the duck uh, but I don't think she's an asshole. Okay, uh, well, let's take a few step backs, uh, dear listeners. Uh, yes, there is a duck in this game. Yes, it has a sort of an iron beak. Do ducks have it's beaks? A or a steel beak, yeah. Yes, steel, build, steel like beak. That. And in case you were wondering, um, this is a visual novel. You know, it's not a, you know, it's not a jump and run game. It's a visual novel and you're on a date with the duck and the duck is yeah. bad but apparently you are worse what aren't you, you worse <laughs> i mean it's, it's quite the game is quite quite forward you play an abysmal human being from england some people might argue now well you're an english person you know that's it that's <laughs> but that might be a bit rude so um could you elaborate a little bit on the general concept why the duck speaks in the way it speaks. We have, might have to elaborate to explain that a little bit as well. And how this entire thing unfolded for you. So uh, the general start was that I just wanted to make a, ga a game about a really bad date. Uh, that's the general gist. Uh, like the, just the date that really goes bad and like feels to me like a very dramatic moment in general, even in real life, even if it doesn't go as bad. Uh, but also after that, I wanted to move, uh, from the baby labor where like you played against a very horrible person. And for a while it was supposed to be the same character kind of grown up. And, uh, like I was fascinated by the reverse power fantasy where like you, you are kind of, you are playing as a horrible, horrible person whose agency is, uh, gradually stripped away. Well, not necessarily gradually in this game, but it's stripped away. Like you basically, you have no power by the end of it. Uh, Paul Litra, the duck, I got her from a different project that I haven't finished yet. And she was born kind of in my attempt to make, uh, if you know, 12 ounce mouse, uh, kind of like, this is the art style I felt like I could do, as in <laughs> badly draw something. Like 12 ounce mouse ran for three seasons, so I might as well do the same thing. And so Paul Litra was born. And uh, I used her because, to me, like, what's the worst end of the date? You get shot by your date. And uh, Politra, being an assassin duck, like, fit extremely well. Also, that, like, she has a steel beak just because I was playing with, uh, 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 with the Photoshop tools initially. And I think I gave her just the texture of the wooden bill. And then I remembered the steel beak from uh, Darkwing Duck. Uh, uh, a giant cock with a—that's uh, an animal. A giant cock with a steel beak, and uh, I just moved that for the reference. And this is kind of like the conceptual part. Uh, I was trying to figure out the framework for the date itself, like the structure, how it's going on, what they're talking about, and how it's going bad. So I picked the 36 questions to fall in love, and I just used that as a frame. You're asking them verbatim. Uh, 24 of them, I think. I didn't, I didn't have enough passion to go through all 36. Uh, that would be like an hour long game, and I think that would be way too long with all the rewinds and shit. 
and uh, yeah, and then also yeah, then there's like why they would be on a date an assassin and a horrible horrible human being. Like the abysmal Englishman, it's like that Englishman was responsible for, and like it, it unfolds into the narrative, it was responsible for nuking Argentine, and then Argentine moving to Antarctica, and then nuking Antarctica again, uh, among other things. Like uh, basically, you know, uh, the imperialist asshole who cares about nobody. And uh, the assassin is just trying to get a confession out of him using those 24 uh, questions. And that's basically the gist of the game. And to give you a little bit of the power in the beginning, you can rewind in the back. Problem is, the duck knows you are going to rewind in the back, and maybe the duck itself does it instead of you. Okay, 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 okay. I gotta stop you there for a second. You are a monstrous <laughs> person that might have committed genocide. You're on a date with a duck. No, definitely has, committed crimes. War crimes. You definitely committed war crimes. You're on a date with a duck that has an iron peak, is also an assassin that will kill you. That's a spoiler, obviously. You used for this game uh, the structure as put forward by psychologist Arthur Aaron, uh, the 36th question uh, to fall in love with anyone. Uh, I have no idea if it's actually like a valid theory or whatever. I just need a framework and I use this one. So like, incredible. I check if it's bullshit or not. <laughs> I have never seen that, you know, that someone, knew that, that someone uses uh, kind of a... But then again, you know, I've also not seen the games about ducks that kill you at the end of the date. So and now, now the, the biggest mystery, why does the duck speak the way the duck right. speaks? Uh, so the duck doesn't say vowels, but which is basically, it's, it's like an accent and it's implied that it's an accent because occasionally the duck speaks with vowels. And there is also a re-voweled version where I just returned all of the vowels into the game, but it's uh, it's it's more annoying. <laughs> uh, so, and the idea was here that a to screw around with English language. Maybe non-native speaker working as a writer writing in English language. I just want to do horrible things to English language, just to take vengeance at a, a lot of people who I collectively call Craig, who come in uh, just because they're native speakers and they go around changing shit in the stuff that I wrote and that's annoying me, or they flat out replace me. Uh, and uh, this is just, you know, like kind of my spite driving me. I but must also, quickly interfere and say, not fear, interject and say, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I worked with programmers, <laughs> artists, whatever. They have no idea what they're doing. Their vocabulary is 600 words. Of Nick, but they carry a passport that calls him a native speaker, and then they come in and say, well, you know, in English, we say it that way. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. we don't. But thank you for your contribution. I salute your American flag. Um, this is Yeah, my favorite example is usually surgery and operation. Uh, where, like, at least in Russian, operation, operatsia, is uh, a surgery. It's the word for surgery. But also, operation is also the word for surgery in English. That is just rarely used, uh, but it is useful. It, most of the time, you have to change it, but usually it comes to me with love. There is no word for operation. You use surgery. Uh, like, how could you? This is most the most obvious thing, and it's a lie. And also, depending on the accent, where it's going, and also if you're from, I, depending on where you're from, like there is deep, like a plentitude of accents, and also like right, like. <laughs> Uh, this, uh, like, to me, be best grammar and, like, going into, like, absolutely perfect knowledge of English 
has diminishing returns. And it mostly came from like the, I think it's called the fail better uh, effect. I think Zalavia called it fail better effect. Whereas like the English has to be like in those games by those people who are like literary like gurus or whatever. Like it's not. And like that was my trying to me to make a point that I can remove all of the fucking vowels. <laughs> so you will still be comprehensive. Ah, uh, yeah, well, that's. That, that, that's a debatable point. Uh, I find it fascinating, but I, I find the, the most fascinating bit is really that you purposefully created a pitch in English, essentially, uh, to make a point about a language being, you know, something else than, let's call it like a, a like textbook English. And that's, yeah. a, I, I actually... Uh, really salute that you know because there is also like a like a strong layer of like a, we are the ones speaking the proper english you know and the other ones are the what's called it the people in the colonies or you know or like the second speakers and uh, i have the feeling that it's it's a it's a it's a very good subversive practice well just me, english gonna... language is right now public domain effectively like English and Americans have no ownership of the language at all. And uh, we just do with it whatever we want. Well, particularly like, not Americans. Uh, I, I, I can't English Americans, Americans are the closest to having an ownership of the English language. British? Yeah. Like, it's used rarely. And yeah, like, they speak the language properly with all the vocabularies. You know who's really good? And wow, we're really going way off topic here. No, wait, wait, wait. wait first e of all, Indian like, I have journalists. To, I have to deal with American British journalists. I have, to, I have to ask a question. Do you put your U's before the R's in things like armor? Do you put revolutionize with an S? Or with a Z? Do you say Z or do you say Z? Um, I'm going to be very transparent here. I do it on purpose, the British one, to annoy Americans. You know, like I yeah, I, like and then they go like, but, uh, you... but armor, armor. And I'm like, yes, it's a British armor. You know, but you're using it. British as a way to subvert the biggest mainstream. Like, if I would be using any English as an example, like as a like modern lingua franca, like modern uh, standard for English language, I would use American. I would use Valley Girl for that. I would use like a lot, and I would not put commas before and after it. I mean, if I could choose, I would just let, let we should just you know like have a revol like a revolving uh, like prime version of English every year. Let's say we have weird new fund from Newfoundland uh, that very, very particular English, or we use Glaswegian, and then we use Northern Ireland, and then we use like, uh, I don't know, some, some pidgin English from uh, Hong Kong. Who knows? Let's just rotate stuff through. Then we have the German English for a year with all the bad German English grammar mistakes. That would be amazing. But no, we are stuck with... Europe Schwarzenegger? We're stuck with whatever our language overlords uh, at the Guardian and wherever tell us to do. Yeah. You know, we're doomed. Yeah, so that was literally just me raging at that part uh, and to bring it back. And also to the, all of the parts of like, well, you're not a native speaker. How can you work as a writer in English language? And like, we just still keep hearing. I kept, I, last time I heard it was in 2021. And I've been working in the industry for 13 years, eight, like seven, uh, 10 of them as a writer in English language. So, you know, like I have, I have published shit in English. And the fact that I love editors have nothing to do with my abilities. I just love like working with editors is a boon. Yeah. But, um, 
bring it back to the game, the other part was that I wanted to uh, also... Uh, like I, uh, the exposition is another part which I wanted to write against. Uh, I didn't necessarily know the effect of how that would be. So like my aim was to kind of like look at the discussions around it, which uh, like as of right now we didn't do a good marketing for it so far. So like not many people have played it, but like a discussion of like how it uh, actually operates. Because you as a player, as an asshole Englishman, you are talking with a person with a very hardcore accent, effectively, which to me is kind of like a French. I would say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's not French. But like Paul Litre is uh, a French duck with uh, from Algeria. <laughs> a, fr- a French duck from uh, Algeria. Okay, noted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Camus. She's basically Camus. Let's put it this way. Uh, but uh, and also, like, you cannot get exposition. Clearly, you have to work for exposition because mm-hmm. she is saying you things, but she is saying you things without vowels. So, like, do you understand it? Do you understand it not? And it also created an interesting uh, side effect with people who I send it to kind of play around and see what's what to friends. Um, I had two German friends. One of them said that, oh, it's really hard to understand. I checked out. The other German friend, and the, both of them are from Kern. Uh, so, like, it's the same level, and they kind of speak with the same level of English, as far as I understand. He was like, oh, right. After, like, five minutes, I immediately got what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Native speakers like um, my friend Starson German, from uh, who is uh, American and she lives in San Francisco, she immediately got how it works. Yep. So like it's like how does that operate? How is that difference working? Because like it's also clear because it's not a clear cut thing of like it's non-native speakers don't get it and native speakers get it. No, it's no, no, hundred yeah. percent not that. Yeah. Well, um, now we are stuck in language, duck, etc. land. Um, are you happy with the reception of the game so far? Because you said it's been out a year and it's been kind of an interesting journey with it as well. Uh, I'm not happy with the reception so far. Uh, mostly because, like, financially, I don't care. Financially, it's paid for by the briefs. Thank you. Well, it wasn't Thank briefs. You. It wasn't briefs at that point, but like uh, I just wanted to clarify that part for like anybody listening. Yes. This game paid for itself. <laughs> I made it in about 80 hours, and I got a thousand euros just like everybody else for it. So like to me, it's uh, like it's done. It's so uh, financially, I don't worry. But uh, not a lot of people played it. Not a few, a lot of people reacted to it. It's uh, and I have no idea if it's like actually good or bad design. Not, not like eventually, just because like there is not enough. Uh, sample size like there are friends that who have played it uh, like you have played it who gave certain thoughts or certain not but like i wanted a bigger sample size so hopefully with like the big release of the briefs maybe that would change i was also wondering and i'm I'm being heretic here as usual uh i think sometimes games who have web builds have like huge advantage especially those that also are like somehow working mobile we've been like you, those have sometimes have a big advantage over games that don't have that. However, I mean, and I know that from uh, my own experience, it doesn't necessarily mean that these games are being played more. You know, I have a game that is called Good Night Old Timer, which has <laughs> miraculously enough, uh, I think, the same amount of players as yours. I think both have 166 yeah. players as of this day, and a little bit more. Yes, exactly the same. And I think it's I think it's it's well written. Um, it's a little rough around the edges, uh, uh, but sometimes you know it just yeah. So, sometimes 
you know, like uh, how do you get these small experiences out, you know? And this is something we have to figure out ourselves as well, you know, like uh, uh, what are the channels we have to use for this, you know, who shows? Uh, it's like we're doing weird... It's an experimental era, yeah. Yeah, we're doing weird literature, you know, and we we need to open like a weird literature... Uh, bookstore book chain, you know, maybe there will, maybe in 10 years there will be galleries, you know, that will show brief games, you know, uh, or similar well, formats. A wishful thinking area. Yeah, well, I mean, and I kind of kept, comp- kept comparing it to Baby Labor, the previous game, which was yeah. like, which I done in a weekend, which is 10 minutes long, which is like, it's way, way less effort went into it, and it's a shorter, shorter, much shorter experience. Dark Date is about half an hour. Yeah, and Baby, like just from the HIO earnings, like Baby Labor got me four hundred four hundred bucks. Uh, Dark date about a hundred so far. Can I ask you uh, uh, how many? How many? Just basically, Baby. How many downloads did you have with Baby Labor? If I may inquire, like how many plays, downloads, uh, etc. Just go into analytics. Because, like, I'm uh, I, at I, the moment where the editing will go a little bit. Yes, and I'm just gonna kind of like Baby Labor is a very absurd game as well, uh, where you mm-hmm. you're at your workplace and there is a you hired a baby. The baby is very aggressive and very direct in its communication. It's also like language and font is all very broken and weird in a in a, in a good way. Uh, Helvetica is my favorite font, and I mean hell. <laughs> Vesica. This is Helvetica. <laughs> so, it's like uh, the, uh, people people who are like into uh, into fonts uh, will despair over so, this. Uh, so give us the numbers. From, uh, so from the analytics on the HIO, on this yes. place I have, Baby Drum Labor roll. has one thousand six hundred and eighty three. Oh, okay. 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 Dark date has hundred and sixty six. Yeah. I'm gonna make an observation here. I think babies are very relatable. People like asshole even baby asshole babies are even more relatable. You know, there is stupid commercial franchises on evil babies, and this baby is evil as fuck. You know, it's crazy evil. You know, it's diabolical. Uh, to quote oh, yeah, Butcher, it's the worst baby. It's, it's the worst baby, and somehow this is a strong trope to check into. You know, people are like oh, evil baby, I'm on board. And the other thing you suggest is, uh, I think the moment you, you're doing something that is not a trope, people have to in, people have to invest in it somehow, you know. And people don't like to invest in things these days. I find it always sometimes a little bit of a of a, of a pity, you know, that uh, the moment the, I, I don't kind of uh, tickle your your tropes, you know, you go, like, oh, it doesn't have evil babies; it just has a duck that doesn't have. This is all vowels. What's this? My hypothesis is a bit different. Like, uh, like I'm looking, like Dark Date looks less striking instantly. Like Dark Date is a more like slow burner, like mm-hmm. half an hour, like comparatively. Like Baby Labor, just like immediately you go on the page, you see that baby with black eyes saying, telling you scream. Like it's all, it's there is less subtlety. And like there, there's a like recurrent joke of like suck, subtext is for cowards, and that to me feels more and more like at least for me the like because like there are different styles of writing in general, and it feels like to me like uh, losing subtlety and 
like going as direct as possible, maybe breaking it apart in some ways would be more of a way around and using uh, like that duck is still like I still like the way the game looks and like I made the whole look myself and I'm a shit. Well, uh, the backgrounds were done by Daria Kozinska, my good friend. But I did the duck, I animated the duck and everything, but there are no, you know, like there are less wow effects immediately. Like there are some, but like when you're just going on the each page, it's just a badly drawn duck, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's a bad date with a duck. Cool. When you go on the baby labor page, there's like, you hire a baby. What? You see the baby. What? <laughs> and none of that shit makes sense. Can I interest you in an experiment? Um, yeah. What What would happen if we change the duck for a cat? And instead of duck date, we have cat call. Do you think that would... <laughs> I just, just, <laughs> just republished the game as cat call. Just exchange the hat. The, the, then we have to probably like uh, go over like a few jokes. Uh, maybe the cat doesn't go into the river. That's too absurd. Uh, but do you think what would happen if we if we make cat call out of duck date? Well, first of all, it would be like a really that weird thing easy. to do. Yeah, I just need to change the head actually, and, and few... one passage about the like a duck being in the river. Exactly, in Paris. And then uh, yeah. we we call it a cat edition and try to see if our trope theory was actually working out. It'd be like the I one like year, the, the one year anniversary uh, uh, like, uh, edition is uh, the cat experiment. Well, not a one year anniversary. We're basically going to do on the 6th of July when we are releasing the microphone series uh, briefs. We're just going to, I think I can do that. Like, that's really easy. That should yeah. be hard. I just need to badly draw a cat, animate a cat. And I don't like, I have a mouthpiece. Uh, I have the eyes. Perfect. So, like it's literally just the head of a cat. The body is the same. I will change the colors because the well, but like that's the easier part. I think I just have like the shape or something. I think we need another. I think a cat call is a little bit, uh, but a cat encounter instead of duck date. So it's still have the double C, uh, but in a different position. No, it's it's gonna be the same bullshit name. And I think I, I'm thinking if it's the same. So you're gonna just a different. Cat. Cat date. I think we should. Uh, you no. should have different ones. So we have like a. No, I'm gonna. Like, you, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it right now. The game would be called Duck Date Cat Version. Duck Date Cat Version. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, could also work. Director's I, cat. Director's that, cat. Oh my god! Director's cat. Oh my god. <laughs> that that. Uh, there is no director's cat. It's just a cat. <laughs> director's cat. This is this is this is genius. Well, you know, this is final uh, cat. Final Fi- cat. Final cat. Final cat. This is amazing. And I, I think, think I will just add another build to it, and that's it. I will just add another build to the page and do nothing about it. Incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Art in the Making here right now. This is, this is podcast at its finest. You know, we're just talking about the past. We're in the present, and we're creating the future. Uh, fantastic. Mm. Uh, what this like absurd games can be about because like this is like you're already creating something that is not mainstream so you don't necessarily need to like go for like high fidelity or stuff like this is low effort at least it's the lowest effort and baby labor was like the lowest lowest effort like baby labor literally uses one model and boxes all of the things you see in baby labor is just primitives uh, like 3d primitives like but this to me also like it's 
it's also poses a question and it's an interesting thing and like it's just a dog date but cats <laughs> i will have to change the name though uh, it can't be politra final cat is amazing and i think this is this is everyone's trying to make money with games and i think that might be one of the key issues that we are facing you know because the moment yeah. your incentive is always how can i make money with this how can i make money with this how can i make money? and of course you have to make money you know but there needs to be but there something are different else ways to make money exactly there are different ways exactly. to make money exactly. like mostly you want to try to make as much money as possible from a single game but in this situation i think this is what uh, Braves does really well and why i am on board is because like the money is paid the project is done and the project is paid for yeah there is no financial like if it would be cool if it earns something but you have already paid for the development yeah and i think this is uh, like the, the moment you, you can divorce yourselves from these financial incentives the moment you make something you know that you know you obviously through the power of cultural funding your work is being honored you're paid for you know you don't have to start you don't have to do it in your free time um it's cultural or, or, or artistic work but you are like divorced from this kind of a grim reality where everything yeah. depends on the commercial success of this particular product and uh, that's a that's such a yeah. poisonous poisonous chalice on many many fronts uh that it's good to have spaces that can escape that to kind of uh, pat ourselves on the shoulder even more mm -hmm. um I think we are running out of steam now. We peaked with uh, Final Cat. Now we're just congratulating ourselves. Is there anything you still want to say, Xenia, or? I need to make a cat. <laughs> he needs uh, to make a cat, yeah. He's now, now, he's, now he's lost in cat territory, ladies no, and gentlemen. What I want to say is that I think this will be out already in July, and I think this will be the moment where Briefs is either like uh, almost out or not out uh, yet, not out just yet. But like, do get, uh, like, for starters, like, I just wanted to say that you, like, if you get, like, all of the games on Briefs are free. Uh, and uh, this is our uh, contract with the people. They already have been paid for, so these are people that have uh, earned their money. Like I do uh, implore you to play their games, first and foremost. There are some games that are absolutely incredible. There are some games that are like the, the Parallelipipedon is a wonderful journey. Yes. The Sisyphus typing, Sisyphus typing game, this is the most absurd shit that I have ever heard. Damien Crawford uh, and Cannibal Interactive game would be a wonderful ad addition for your now for your basically capitalistic nightmares. Um, Bahia Khan's game is just something that made Georg actively cry just to, as a pitch. Yes. And, um, <laughs> it did. I'm not forgetting. And for Marta, like uh, just being a worker uh, in a city builder game, of which Marta has like it's kind of her specialty, being from 11 bit. And uh, Stuffed Wombat's a uh, horrible, terrifying platformer that I absolutely... I played one level and I despise that game now. Which Lina Moza. Yes. Lina yes. Moza. This, is a, this is a game that... Also, like all of these games break your mind in a good way. Go and play them. Yeah. That's so it. Play them first and foremost. Write them a comment. Describe what you're feeling yes. about the game. Just create a conversation about it and... 
and just like this isn't this will not go to us this will not go to briefs uh unless you paid for the duck date but like uh, uh we will ask everybody to put their like coffee page or like just the hio uh like uh, donate money if you want and just give them some cash so that they are able to continue working on that exactly uh, we are sure we are giving them 1000 euro but you can't live on 1000 euro until the next year that we are going and we are probably not going to give the same people the same money well who like, knows who knows? We're just gonna gonna sign them as authors, and then we're gonna get another seven people every year. We're gonna sign new authors and gonna add more games. Se- add seven people more. <laughs> yes, of course. We're just gonna take over the world with games. Next year, mm-hmm. not absurd games, differently absurd. Maybe horses. Who knows? Ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of the line. Um, it's been a pleasure. And yeah, as always, yeah. Come back, please. So alone without you.